Hey, queens and kings. Before we start today's episode of Overcoming Grief, I want to share with you guys a quick backstory about this episode. Overcoming Grief was the very first episode ever recorded for These Three Things podcast. And I'm going to ask you guys to give me a little grace because the sound isn't very good on this one, but it was my very first episode. I did get better. When this episode was recorded, we were in the early stages of COVID-19 and we were all quarantined in our home. We had just learned of the hidden video of Ahmaud Arbery. We had just found out what really happened in the murder of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd had been murdered as well. I wanted the Overcoming Grief episode to be the launch episode of these three things when I launched the podcast. But somewhere in recording the podcast and the launch, I couldn't find this episode. And when I reached out to my guest, Miss Georgette Jackson, her response to me in true, beautiful Georgette Jackson fashion was in God's time. Because we both knew that we had recorded the episode. It was just a matter of me finding it. So I found the episode and I called Georgette and I was so excited because I didn't want to ask her to redo the episode because quite frankly, I'm asking a woman who has lost all three of her children to go back and relive and explain and tell in detail how she lost all three of her children again. So obviously I didn't want to have to do that. So I was super excited to call and tell her that I found the episode and her words to me was, I told you in God's time, we were talking and we realized that from the time that this initial episode was recorded till now, the black community has lost John Lewis and C.T. Vivian, our civil rights leaders. We learned that Elijah McCain was strangled and killed by police officers. We've lost Cliff Robinson, a former Portland Trailblazer at the age of 53. And Jacob Blake, a black man out of Wisconsin, was shot seven times in the back by Wisconsin police. And the death that I think has collectively taken the entire black community and not only the black community, but the world's breath away is our black Panther Chadwick Bozeman, whom we lost to colon cancer. And in the process of all of the loss that we have lost in our culture and community on August the 29th, we buried my mother's sister, Eunice Brown. So in the words of Miss Georgette, God's timing, I don't think there could ever be a better time for an episode such as this on helping our community deal with the mourning and loss that we're dealing with and overcoming grief. I dedicate this episode to my aunt Eunice Brown. These three things, overcoming grief with Georgette Jackson. Enjoy. Oh.
Hi, this is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast. My guest today is Miss Georgette Jackson, and we're going to be talking about the other side of grief. Miss Jackson is the author of three books. Her latest book coming out soon, Inspiration in the Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. She will be sharing more information about with us later in the podcast. She's also written 30 Days of Divine Rest and Heart to Heart. Ms. Georgette is also the CEO and founder of Divine Rest, Inc., which she'll be telling us a little bit more about in detail as well. She and I are talking today because currently, as we're recording, the United States is under a pandemic called COVID-19 that has killed more than 125,000 Americans. Those deaths have affected African Americans disproportionately more than any other race. In addition to the pandemic that we're fighting, America and the entire world has stood up and taken notice of what African-Americans have faced since we're, we were brought to America, racism and police brutality. With the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor at the hands of police and Ahmaud Arbery at the hands of racist men, the black community is collectively grieving in a way we haven't in my entire generation. My friend Georgette knows a thing or two about grief. Having lost all of her children to illness, Ms. Georgette has had to deal with death more than any mother should and has worked through the process of grief and made it to the other side. I believe that she is the perfect person for us to talk to today about what we collectively as an African-American culture is feeling at this time and to give us some guidance on how to process it as she has. I'd like to welcome to these three things, author, entrepreneur, and podcast host, Georgette Jackson. Thank you for being here today, Miss Georgette. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You know, I have been looking forward to talking to you for a while. And um, I'd like to share with our listeners just a little bit of information about how we met. So would you share with them how you and I got to know each other? Yes, I sure will. Sharana and I met at a small group with our church, and a small group is was Unstoppable Faith, and it was led by um, evangelist Sandra Smalls. And we gathered together once a week on a Monday, and that's how I met Sharana. And Sharana <laughs> <laughs> would sit on the couch, and she was a bit quiet <laughs> and laid back, and she cried a lot. <laughs> I did. Yeah, she did. 
I did. <laughs> but I knew deep inside, deep down inside, mm-hmm. there was some strength and some power inside of her. Mm-hmm. Through those tears. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. She is absolutely right. I did cry a lot, um, which is strange that she and I are actually talking about the other side of grief because when she met me, I was grieving. I had just lost a, a job that I had, you know, wanted for years. It was really my dream job, and I had worked really hard at it, and it didn't go as planned. And I was in mourning of the job, and when I joined the small group, Miss Georgette was there, and she's right. I mostly cried. <laughs> For a while, but, you know, also, too, I have to say, which is another reason why I wanted to talk to uh, Georgia, is because, you know, the love of those women helped me get to the other side of grieving about that job and letting it go. And they loved me through and they let me cry. And but, uh, <laughs> you know, she's the reason why I'm 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 here today. Her and all the other women who I do want to name Brooks, Takesha, Felicia, Phyllis, Dion, Sandra. And I think that's all of us, isn't it? Yeah. So those women, I love you guys. If y'all are listening, if you get a chance to hear this particular podcast, I just want to let y'all know I love you and I appreciate all of you. So, Georgette, let's talk about you. Okay, where is your hometown? Are you from Savannah? I am born and raised from Savannah. Born yes. and raised in yeah. Savannah. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in Savannah? Um, I love my hometown. So growing up in Savannah was, well, I, as a little girl, it was it was fun for me. Mm-hmm. And during the time of um, in about fifth or sixth grade, is when we went through um, decent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So it started when I was in fifth grade, mm-hmm. and we were bused to a predominantly white school. Okay. Yeah. So we were the first. Um, african-american kids to be going to gould elementary school i will never forget that wow yeah so what was the reception like was it just were did you feel like all of the kids were against you or were there white kids there that were comfortable with black kids being integrated into the school um it was mostly we were accepted in in that age group Mm -hmm. you know there were some that you know weren't too sure and you can tell Mm -hmm. you know but for the most part we were accepted okay So then has this city changed over the years? Do you feel like it's, it's, you know, race relation wise, it's gotten better or do you feel like it's been the same or? It's gotten better in some parts, Mm -hmm. in some aspects, but there's still a lot of work to be done because racism still exists here. Okay. You know, even though, you know, we've been accepted, it's like to a point. Yeah. 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 I got gotcha. you. Got a long way to go. Still more work to do. Still more work to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that might be every city in the United States of America yeah. collectively. Right. Okay. I think we still got more work to do. Yeah. yeah. So inspiration in the morning. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. What What was the inspiration for inspiration in the morning? It was actually um, after losing all three of my children. Mm-hmm. And that's what inspired me to write that book because I needed inspiring. I needed inspiration, mm-hmm. you know, because that's that was a heavy toll, a heavy load. Yeah, I've lost all three of my children, and so God started speaking to my heart. Yeah, and ministering to me 
And so I would just write those feelings down. Mm -hmm. And then as I went through the grief process and listening to some of the things that people would say to me yeah. that helped me, that made me feel better, that yeah. inspired me, mm -hmm. there were some of those things that I wish they hadn't you know, said. Yeah. And so that's when the God placed it on my heart, said, well, you need to write a book about write it. Write it down. Yeah, write yeah. it down. Write it down. Yeah. So that you can help others. Yeah. Yeah. Know what to say and what not to say. And just share my experience. Yeah. Yeah. So were you obedient to that right away or did you take some time before you started to write it all down? That one I started right away. Yeah, because it was heavy on my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that after you wrote it down, you felt better? Like you, it released it almost I, from you? I did. Wow. That's what writing has always done for me. It's yeah. Therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. I can totally see it. So let's talk about your baby. Let's talk about Divine Rest, Inc. <laughs> And let's tell the listeners uh, about Divine Rest, Inc. and uh, what you do and why you started it. Okay. Um, Divine Rest, Inc. is a nonprofit, 501c3 nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. And it's designed to one day purchase a home to house single homeless women. Okay. And in that home, we would house them and help them get back on their feet. Okay. Them find a job, continue their education, or whatever it is that they need to do. We want to be able to help them to give them a hand up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And what made you start it? Well, that's a, this is going to sound like a cliche, <laughs> <laughs> but I did have a dream. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did okay. have a dream. Mm -hmm. And what happened was one day when I left from work, I came home and as I normally do, I turn on the news. Mm -hmm. So when I turn on the news, I saw that a homeless shelter for women had closed down. The woman, the lady that owned it didn't have, didn't give the people any notice. So it was that same day they just had to pack up their stuff and they had to just get out and they had wow. nowhere to go. Wow. And immediately I just started sobbing like a baby. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I fell to my knees and just started crying. Mm -hmm. And it shook me, mm -hmm. you know, because I've always been a person that would always gravitate toward the underdog. Yeah. You know, underdogs. Me too. Yeah. Yep. So anybody that looked like they were standing off alone and didn't have a friend, mm -hmm. I would go over and, and just introduce myself. Yeah. And so <clears throat> that night when I went to bed, I had a dream. Mm -hmm. And in that dream, I saw <clears throat> these words. Mm -hmm. I saw divine rest. Wow. And then the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and saying that he was going to give me divine rest because mm. I needed that. And then once he gave it to me, he wanted me to help usher other women yeah. to his divine rest. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's how it got started. So were you surprised by your reaction to what you saw in the news that day with the women losing? Was that you know, did you always have a heart for homeless women or in that moment something just pierced your heart in a way that hadn't happened before? Right. That's that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Because even though I've lived here all my life and know there were homeless people, mm -hmm. but, um, and I would help them if I saw them, like me and my grandkids, you know, we would stop and give them something or give them something to drink if we had it yeah. or whatever. But I never really thought much about helping them mm -hmm. in a big way. Yeah. In a major way. So when that happened, yeah, that's why I said it, it surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just broke my heart like I'd never, you know, felt before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
helping women and giving them a place uh, to stay and having a home is the long-term goal of what yes. you want to see yes. uh, for uh, Divine Rest, Inc. Yes. What, right now, how are you guys functioning? Like, what do you, like, what other things do you do, like, with the homeless? Because I know, and I'm asking Ms. Georgette that question because I've gone out with her, mm -hmm. and we've given water to the homeless, but I know it's evolved with you over the years, Ms. Georgette. So tell yes. us a little bit about that. Yes. Aside from taking bottled water mm -hmm. to them, which they're very appreciative of, um, we also sit and talk with them and we find out what their individual needs are. Yeah. And then once we find out what their needs are, then the next trip or even sometime earlier, mm -hmm. we would go back and we would take them what they need. Yeah. They need, you know, underwear, you know, clothes, shoes. Yeah. We would provide all of those things for them. And even though we're going to help the women, mm -hmm. you know, when we go out to the camps, we help both. Yeah. Help the men and the women. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I have, I can say that I've, I've witnessed it. And my first time going out with you, you know, my heart was just flooded because, I mean, they're family to you. You are family to them. They look forward to seeing you, you know, and I could just see the appreciation when you, we, you know, we took them the things that they needed that day, how appreciative they how appreciative they were about, you know, like you said, the water. And just, I remember you telling me that, you know, when the Lord initially told you to, to take them water that you thought, well, water, what is water going to do? Tell us about that. When you brought, when you took that yeah. to the Lord, what did he tell you? <laughs> yeah. Cause I thought that, you know, these are homeless people. They need more than just bottle water. Yeah. So when he said, take them bottle water. I'm like, what? You know, really? Mm -hmm. I, I, I think they need a lot more. Yeah. And he was like bottled water. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So when we took, so it was just right at that moment, it was just myself and two other ladies. Yeah. And we only knew of one camp yeah. underneath the, the Tamage Bridge, not the Tamage Bridge, the um, President Street Bridge. Yep. Okay. So we got together and we bought cases of bottled water mm -hmm. and we made that first stop and took it to them. And it was like, we gave them a million dollars. They were so wow. happy with that water. Wow. That's something, you know, we take for granted. Right. Mm -hmm. We do. Yeah. But they don't have easy access to it. So mm. they were very appreciative. Yeah. Yeah. And how has the support been? How, how long has uh, Divine Rest Inc. been in business, in existence? Um, since 2008. Since, okay. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah. So how has the, the community uh, outreach been towards you? Have you gotten a lot of support from the community oh. of Savannah? Oh, my goodness, yes. They have been phenomenal. Oh. Yeah, so the support is just great. Yeah. Like whenever we need extra help and getting anything, yeah. I mean, they're right there ready to provide. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. It, it takes a village. Yes, it takes it a village. Let's transition a little bit, Miss Georgette, to the state of our world today. And, you know, we talked a little bit early on about the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. Um, I'm happy to report that the officer who killed George Floyd is in jail at the moment and has been charged. Uh, I'm also happy to report that uh, the three men who are responsible for the death and murder of Ahmad Arbery are also in jail and have been charged uh, and awaiting trial. Unfortunately, we cannot say the same for our sister, Breonna Taylor, uh, the officer who went into her home on a no-knock warrant and, and shot her six times while she was sleeping, has still uh, not been arrested and not been held accountable. So... Um, we keep her and our her and her family in our prayers, and uh, we know that as a nation, we talked about how the black community is grieving. And um, do you feel that the United States is grieving, Miss Georgette? Do you feel like we're collectively grieving? 
For the most part, yes. You know, of course there are some that probably aren't grieving because they don't understand the ramifications of what has happened to, you know, us as a people. Mm-hmm. And just the long-term effects. Uh, you know, yeah, the effects of what we've been dealing with long term. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like with, with the world seeing the death of George Floyd uh, and him being murdered, do you, you know, and I, and I will say that when I went out to protest, uh, I did notice that there were a lot of white people out there protesting. And it did make me feel, uh, it did give me hope because they were angry and they were loud and they were upset do you feel like with this awakening that there will be change, that we will uh, begin to deal with the problems in policing and uh, start to hold people accountable for racism in the United States of America? Do you see, do you feel that we'll see a change? I do. You know, for one, because you're seeing now where the officer is being charged, mm-hmm. what happened to George Floyd. Yes. Yes. And then the, the citizens for what happened to Aubrey. Yes. 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 So... There's no way that there can't be a change, you know, in in police procedures and things like that. Yeah. But as far as individuals go, um, that's a heart issue. Yeah. 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 And yeah. until hearts change, um, the individual won't change. Yeah. So basically the we can make laws to hold people accountable, but at the end of the day it's gonna have to be something in our hearts to really yeah. wanna change. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, are you surprised that so many white people were unaware of what was actually happening uh, with police and black men in the United States of America? Because I know we all know of Colin Kaepernick. We all know that Colin Kaepernick uh, kneeled silently and peacefully uh, during the national anthem in the NFL and was basically blackballed because of it and lost his career. And his main reason for kneeling was because of police brutality. And we made it, instead of listening to Collins' plea Mm -hmm. and his protest, we made it about the flag. And so now, since America has had a chance to see an unarmed black man whose hands are handcuffed behind his back, Mm -hmm. laying face down on the ground with an officer kneeling on his neck Mm -hmm. for eight minutes and 46 seconds, America being able to see that now has brought about an awakening in white people that um, we hadn't seen, and they seemed so surprised about it. Were you surprised that white America was so surprised that of the brutality that we'd been dealing with in our culture? Yeah, that is surprising because it's almost as if they had blinders on. Mm-hmm. How could you not see it? Yeah. So, yeah, that is surprising. Yeah. Well... We've, they've been arrested and they've been charged. Uh, well, the officer who killed George Floyd will really know more if he's actually convicted. Yeah. And I think that's what we're all as a community kind of waiting to see right. is, you know, will he be convicted for the murder of, of George Floyd? Right. Let's talk about um, you and, 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 and being a mom. How old were you when you became a mom? 18. 18. Yes, my first daughter. 18. You had a daughter first? Yes. Tell me about her. Yes. Um, she was born December 3rd, mm-hmm. 1977. Yes, and her name was Shamika. Shamika. So her Shar. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the name her friends gave her as she got older. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. So your first baby was a girl, mm-hmm. and then you had. Um, yeah, my second was a girl. Was a girl. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell me about D. Yeah, D was born June the twentieth of nineteen seventy nine. Okay. So she just celebrated her forty first birthday. Oh. Yeah. 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 How was that for you? I mean, obviously, you know. You think about her, but as time has gone on, what what do the birthdays feel like now when they come around? The birthdays still hurt. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. you, you never stop missing them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you always think about them most on their birthdays and, you know, holidays. Holidays. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then you had a son. Then I had a son. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about your son. Yes. And he was born August the 1st of 1982. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, he was named after his father. Yeah. Wesley Bernard Jackson. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we called him BJ. BJ. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as you know, I mean, and we've probably mentioned, uh, prior to this, but, uh, we're talking about grief today and the other side of grief with Miss Georgette Jackson, and we're talking about uh, her three children. Um, how did you enjoy being a mom, Miss Georgette? I did. I know that's a rhetorical <laughs> question, but yeah, because who doesn't yeah. enjoy being right. a mother? But right. yeah, yeah, I really did. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about just the order, because I know that you that that you lost all three of your children to illness. Tell me a little bit about the order of, of each child and, and the time span between the losses of each each one. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, the first loss was BJ, was my son. Okay, the baby. Yeah, the baby, mm-hmm. the baby, yeah. Because like I said, he was born August the 1st, mm-hmm. and he died on October the 15th of that same year. Oh, wow, okay. So he lived for two months. Yeah. And um, he was, um, I just woke up in the middle of the night to check on him, mm-hmm. and he was stiff. Yeah. And they said it was um SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. Yeah. 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 So that that was my first loss of a child. So how old were your older daughters, the two daughters, when uh, BJ passed away? They were. Let's see. Seven, seven. Um. Four and five. Four and five. Four and five. Yeah, and then your next child. Yeah, uh, was D. D. And D was diagnosed with cervical cancer in 2011. Okay. And she lived for one year with that. And in 2012, that's when she died. In 2012. Yes. Yep. And then your last daughter. Yeah. And Shar, she passed away on November the 14th of 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And complications of lupus. Yeah. Yeah. So you lose your baby to SIDS and can you, can you share with us the process of getting past BJ, like, you know, and, and getting to the other side of the grief with BJ and accepting that, you know, I've lost my baby. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, being 22 mm-hmm. and and losing my baby, which was the son I had prayed for, mm-hmm. you know, because like got two girls, yeah. You know, the Lord just blessed me with a son, yeah. And it was difficult because I was like, God, you you answered my prayer, mm-hmm. and then you only let me keep him for two months, and then you took him back, yeah. You know, so at 22, I was in a, I wasn't, I've been born and raised in church. Mm-hmm. But you can be born and raised in church, but 
you know, the church is not in you. Right. So at, at 22, you know, I've known all of, known about God, yeah. but I didn't have that personal relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. So I took that death um, pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't reach out to God. I didn't pray. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. And I just isolated myself. Yeah. And it had it not been for my family and my church family mm-hmm. praying for me. Yeah. And that's how I came, you know, out of that. Yeah. It was it was through other people, you know, ministering to me and encouraging me and talking to me. Yeah. Just coaching me along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Till your heart got better. My heart got better. Yeah. 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 So then time passes and you and the girls. Yeah. You got your two girls. Yeah. They've grown up and. And then you find out D has cervical cancer. Yes, yes, and that was the most. Yeah, that that was pretty rough. Yeah. Because actually, we found out she had cervical cancer. We had gone to um, the funeral of my aunt, my mm-hmm. mother's sister, mm-hmm. and while we were there, she was not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And so later on that evening, I had to rush her to the emergency room because her leg had swollen up. Yeah. Her leg had swollen up. It was twice the size of the um of the other leg. Yeah. And so when we went there, the doctor said she had um cellulitis. They gave her some medicine mm-hmm. in her home. About two days later the leg got even bigger. So I took her back to the emergency room. Yeah. And um the doctor came in and examined her and said, Well, we're gonna do a, a pelvic exam mm-hmm. and and not to sound, you know, grotesque or anything, but when he, he did the pelvic exam, so much blood gushed from out of her. He had to get a trash can. Oh, wow. And so we, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was a devastating experience. And he just looked up at her and he looked at me. I mean, he had so, what touched me is that he, this doctor didn't know us. Yeah. But he had so much compassion. Yeah. In his eyes, you know, the way he looked at us and when he spoke. Yeah. Like he had a tremor in his voice. He said, and I'm sorry to tell you. Mm-hmm. He said, but it looks like your daughter has cervical cancer, but I'm going to call in an oncologist to yeah. confirm. And it was confirmed that very night and she was stage three. Stage three. So that's just a blow to everybody in that moment, and obviously to D. Yeah. So what was the, was there a, a game plan, or did they say, okay, she's going to have this much time, or was there, and I know this is hard for you, Miss mm-hmm. Georgette. I can see it in your eyes. So if we need to pause for a second, we can. Okay. But, yeah, that was a, a shock to, because to, we both just looked at each other. Yeah. You know, she looked at me, and I looked at her, and we didn't know what to say. We couldn't yeah. say anything. Yeah. But the game plan was that um, they assigned her to an oncologist. Mm-hmm. And so they had to do everything, you know, it was like right away. Yeah. It was already stage three. Yeah. And so um, she had to, the game plan was um, she had to have a hysterectomy. Okay. So she had the hysterectomy, and the hysterectomy was hopefully was going to get it all. Mm-hmm. But we found out that it didn't. Mm-hmm. So she had to have um, chemo and radiation. So she okay. Had to yeah. yeah. Which is tough. It, it was very tough because the, the chemo that the first chemo they had her on was not strong enough. Not strong enough. Yeah. They had to give her the strongest, which is chemo they said they give to um, lung cancer patients. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And chemo, it, it takes it, it, it tears your body up. It does. It does. Yeah. 
So then D lived a year. And then you buried D. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah. And three years later, I was sitting at work and was called by um, Shar's fiance. And yeah, we had done been uh, the back, back up a little bit. We had went to Atlanta where they live. Mm-hmm. And we had watched her say yes to the dress because they were planning. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, they were planning on getting married. Okay. Yeah. And so it must have been maybe a month later, mm-hmm. and I got the call that they had to rush her to the emergency room. Yeah. So I left my job and drove to Atlanta to be with her. Mm-hmm. So this was on a Friday. Yeah. So on that Friday, I got there and sat with her in the room, and she was saying her feet were felt real dry. Mm-hmm. So I took some lotion and massaged her feet. Yeah. Her legs being and mom. Yep. Yeah. Being yep. Mom. And and they said the doctor said that um they didn't know what the problem was why she was having so much pain when she was breathing mm-hmm. so maybe it was pneumonia they weren't sure okay so they were gonna run different tests and so the doctor said that Saturday morning he was gonna do a procedure to um that he said it would only take about fifteen minutes mm-hmm. to try to help her breathe mm-hmm. and so I spent the night with her that Friday okay and so Saturday morning we got up and we left out of the room and she was going to have that procedure mm-hmm. and it took longer yeah and I don't know what they were doing but they said we couldn't come in we couldn't see her yeah and stuff because I guess something had went wrong mm-hmm. and later on maybe about six o'clock I saw the nurse come out the room because mm-hmm. they still said we couldn't come in mm-hmm. and I saw the room come out the nurse come out the room and I saw this shaking her head mm-hmm. like, you know just shaking her head so I'm like something's going on I said I'm going this is mom mm-hmm. you know, right I'm going in there absolutely yeah so I went in into the room you know and they, the doctors was all around her and everything and they would say what are you doing in here I said this is my daughter mm-hmm. I said and nobody has come out and said anything to us so I, I need to know what's going on what's going yeah on. yeah so he said well um it doesn't look too good he said well, you can stay in here and, and talk to her for a little bit. But I stayed in there and wasn't long because I felt her and I knew there was no there was no life in her. They had the you know that little blue thing that they be trying to pump. Yes. Her. She was she was not she yeah. was not breathing because when I touched her she she was not it didn't that I didn't feel any life in her. Yeah. So I just I left him out of the room and went back into the the break room where the, her pastor was and the rest of the family mm-hmm. was. And I just collapsed in the pastor's arm because mm-hmm. I knew my daughter was already gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so they kept working on her. Then the doctor finally came in the, in the room, and he said she went in under um went into a cardiac arrest, and he said but they were able to bring her back. And then he said she went under cardiac arrest a second time, mm-hmm. and he said he don't suggest that he do it again because it's not gonna gonna do any good. Yeah. So he went back in the room, and then he came back and told us, he said, she that she had passed. I know it's a lot. We're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back with more with Miss Georgette Jackson. Hey, queens and kings. If you would like to donate to my guest, Georgette Jackson's nonprofit, Divine Rest, Inc., which helps homeless women get back on their feet, you can donate on her website at divinerestinc.org or by PayPal at DivineRestInc at gmail.com. 
So first of all, I just want to thank you because I know that to to share that information and have to relive it to share it uh, is a lot. And um, I, I thank you for sharing it because I, I, I know that there's going to be a woman that's listening who has lost that is going to hear you and just hear your story, Georgette. And, um, you know, as you're doing already, bringing about a healing to a lot of people by sharing what you've gone through. And I thank you for doing that. All three of your children are gone now. Can you share in that moment, just your thoughts? Are you, are you angry at God? Are you, are you mad at the world? Are you, you know, share where you were just in your heart and mind. Well, when, when that happened, when Shard passed, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, that's my, that's my last job. Yeah. I have no more. Yeah. So I did go through, I got angry with God because I didn't, I didn't understand it. I said, I don't understand. You know, you couldn't let me keep one. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I'm like, really? Oh, God, you took all of my children. Mm-hmm. And then he said to me, he spoke to my spirit and he said, they were not your children. Mm-hmm. And that was the hardest pill for me to swallow. But that's something I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Those, those were not your children. I just, those were my, they were my children. Mm-hmm. I just loaned them to you. Mm-hmm. You're a good steward over them and you've done that. And so now it's time for them to come back home. Mm-hmm. That that with me was not their home. Yeah. So that, that was, so yeah, I went through that anger stage. Yeah. Because I, I didn't I didn't understand. So I didn't want to talk to God. I didn't want to pray to Him. I didn't want to I didn't want to do anything mm-hmm. because I'm 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 mad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? and and rightfully so. I mean, I don't know anybody who wouldn't be. You know, I don't know anybody who wouldn't be. And the truth of the matter, you know, what you heard the voice of the Lord say, even though we know it's truth, as a mother. We, we, you know, we know that our yeah. children aren't ours, that God has right. given them to us, like you right. said, to shepherd over them, mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, parent over them. Mm-hmm. But still, like you said, that would be a jagged pill to swallow, yeah. Yeah. to have to come to the reckoning that, you know, okay, it is true. But again, at the same time, like you said, you know, all of them, right. all of them. So. Yeah. So how long did your process of anger last, Georgette? Like, how long do you feel? Was it years? Was it months? Was it? No, I would say maybe a couple of months. It wasn't years. Wow. Yeah. Years. And I think it's all because, like I said, at 22, I wasn't in that good place. Mm-hmm. But as the years went on and, and, you know, taking care of D and spending more time in the Word, and by that time, my faith, you know, had increased. Yeah. 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 So I had a, a, a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So, but that still didn't stop me, you know, from being angry. Yeah. That didn't stop me from being angry, but he, um, but him ministering to me and helping me to come to grip yeah. <laughs> with death, Yes. you know, that it, it helped me. So I grew, I grew in strength. Mm-hmm. But I realized that it wasn't my strength. Yeah. That it was his strength. Mm-hmm. That that's something he had spoken to my spirit. He said, my grace is sufficient mm. for you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and his strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. His strength yeah. is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So your relationship with Christ is what ultimately got you through the anger. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And tell me about your support. Like, you know, and you and I have talked about this uh, outside of the podcast. You know, sometimes when we have friends and loved ones who lose someone, we don't, you know, we want to comfort and we're not always sure how to comfort. You know, can you share with the listeners, Miss Georgette, what, in what ways and what words are comforting to someone when they've lost someone? What, what words comforted you? And, and what actions comforted you? Telling me that even when someone just said something like, I love you mm-hmm. and I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And those things were comforting to me. Mm-hmm. Just, just saying you, you're here for me yeah, and, and, and actually meaning it so that if I needed to, like if somebody told me, that if you need to just cry, mm-hmm. you want to just cry, you can just call me. Yeah. You know, I'll come over. I don't have to say anything. You know, I'll just put my arm around you. Those things were, were, were comforting. Yeah. Yeah, especially when it came from people that I know mm-hmm. who, who really meant it. Yes. You know, and so, and just saying that I understand. Even mm-hmm. when you... And people will say that, and even though you you know they really can't, especially if right. you lost a child. Right. But it's better to say something like that. Yeah. Than to say something, you know, hurtful. Yes. When they mean well, mm-hmm. sometimes people can say things that that actually hurt you instead yeah. of helping you. And what are those things like? You know, just just telling you that they love you and I'm here for you from the people who who actually back up those actions yeah. and yeah. check on you. Right were things that comforted you. So what were some of the things, because I want to educate our listener, because again, we, none of us really know what to do when someone's grieving, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, it, and it's a hard question to ask someone, like, how can I help you when you're grieving? You don't know even how to ask it. So I want to help someone who, and obviously as you know, we're dealing with all of this in the black community right now from COVID-19 to, you know, police brutality and all of the loss that we're facing. Can you share like, um, obviously saying that I love you, I'm here for you if you need to cry, if you need to vent, mm-hmm. and then backing that up backing and showing up. up and being there right. is something that helped you in the healing and the grieving process. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you would have rather people not have said or, or, or they meant well but just doesn't right. come across like, you know, at, yeah. at the timing of that is not ready? Right. <laughs> like I had someone tell me, um, and this was I was in a, in a church, mm-hmm. and um and I was crying. It was mm-hmm. maybe about a month after Shah had passed. Yeah. And so there was a lady that was giving a testimony about her um, having cancer mm-hmm. and what how it made her feel. Mm-hmm. So that touched me because I thought about Shah and I thought about Dee mm-hmm. and what they must have felt when they were diagnosed. Yeah. You know? And so it brought tears to my eyes. And and I sat in that church, and nobody comforted me. Mm. So I had people that I knew that were sitting right beside me. And all I had to do was put their arm around me. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, nothing. And this one lady came up to me, and she said, why are you crying? She asked me, why was I crying? Wow. And I could not believe that. You know? And so, yeah, that that was hurtful. Yeah. 
And then for people to tell you that you need to have faith. Mm-hmm. And that that's not helpful. Yeah. Because how do the, how can you assume that a person doesn't have faith mm-hmm. because you see them shed some tears? I'm like, yeah, I have faith. Because the Bible says you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. Yeah. You can move a mountain. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, if I can get up every morning, put one foot in front of the other, mm-hmm. and still function, still mm-hmm. go to work, still go to church, still praise God, I think that demonstrates some faith. A level of so faith, tell, yes, ma'am. Yeah, so don't tell a grief person just because you see them shed a tear or they talk about the memory of their child and they shed a tear mm-hmm. and you feel like they don't have faith. That is not true. Yeah. Yeah, they have faith. And, and no, you, you go through the grieving process mm-hmm. and... But people seem to think, like, you're going to forget. Like, after so, you know, so right. many years or so many months or so many years that you'll be able to just lay that aside and, and no, Mm-mm. you never forget because that's a piece of you. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a your heart has been broken. Yes. So a piece of that heart is missing. Yeah. You've lost a piece of you. You've lost a piece of you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because that's what your children are, are pieces yeah. of you. Yeah, right. You know, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. And your book, Inspiration in the Morning, addresses yeah. those things. Yeah. 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 Because we do. We do need to understand just as, as a people how to support right. someone who's grieving yeah. in ways that feels like support to them. Yeah. And I do understand with that being said that it is awkward. Like you it don't is. know how to do that all right. the time, even with the best intentions. And, right. you know, a lot of times we just say words we've heard other people say. Exactly. <laughs> For you, just speak personally for you, Ms. Georgette. How how are you feeling right now? Just, you know, just for you. Obviously, the black community, we are reeling. Right. How right. are you feeling? Well, all of these deaths have, and and I don't know why this is happening to me, but it, it seems as though ever since I've lost all of my children, you know, and my parents, it's like, now when I hear somebody died or was murdered, it's like a part of me still has left this earth. Yeah. It's, yeah, this, it's like my compassion for people, you know, has, has really um, heightened. And, and it hurts. I mean, it really hurts. And, and I don't have to know them to hurt, but just, you know, just know that, there's somebody's loved one, somebody's husband, somebody's child, you know, somebody's sibling, just another human being, you know, taken from us, you know, some violently, some through illness, but nonetheless, it it, it hurts. Now, you started a podcast, correct? Yes. Okay, and it's called Get a Grip. Get a Grip. Okay, yes. tell us about Get a Grip and, and what, we, what we can expect to hear on Get a Grip. Okay. Gator GRIP is actually an acronym. GRIP, GRIP is an acronym for Grace, Restoration, Inspiration, and Prayer. Yes. And that's what the podcast is about. It's about finding healing and encouragement and inspiration as you go through the grief process. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the grace of God and how the grace of God enables you, gives you the strength and the power to go through the grief process. Yeah. Grace to stand. Yeah. We always talk about grace as God's unmerited favor, which is true, mm-hmm. but it's also his enabling, his his power, his strength to do the things that 
that you have to persevere through. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Restoration is God's rest, restorative power. It's God restoring your joy, restoring mm. your hope, restoring your love, your peace, all of the things that you lost <coughs> during your loss and your grief process. God will restore those things. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. get our inspiration through his word. Yeah. If we stay in his word, we will be inspired by his word. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the process. And prayer. Yeah. Prayer is very important. And that's why the Bible says we must pray without ceasing. Mm. Because we have to pray. And we know that sometimes when you're going through grief, you don't feel like praying. Right. You just say one word. Just say Jesus. Mm. That's the prayer. (laughs) Mm. Mm -mm. Yes. Grace, restoration, inspiration, prayer, Mm -hmm. grip. Miss Georgette, what's the first thing that you feel like we can do um, right now in the process of our grief and what's happening in the black community that's immediate, that could maybe help us all like fight through the depression and the lows that we're feeling and, and maybe sharing something with us that was the initial process for you, like the first thing that helped you begin to take the step to, you know, just deal with everything that we're, we're dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. I would have to say the first thing to do is pray. Mm. I mean, you, you you can't you can't lose from praying, and that's what I had to do, you know, from dealing with so much loss in in my life. Is that's what brought me through. That's what kept me going was was prayer. You know, there were times when there was only thing I could say was Jesus, and and that's a prayer. You know, just calling His name. But that's what I think that's what we need more than anything in in this season that we're in now dealing with all this grief. We have to have a word from God in our heart. And and if we can just plant a word or scripture in our heart and so that when we start feeling down and and depressed about everything that's going on from losing our loved ones, from the, the social injustices that's going on, if we can just draw from that 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 well, you know, it's like a well in our heart. And to be, it's filled like a well is filled with water. If you keep your heart filled with God's word, when you are feeling down and you don't have anyone around to encourage you, like David said, you know, he encourage yourself in the Lord. Because sometimes that's all you have is yourself. So if you have a word in your heart that you can draw from and that will help you, to, to keep you moving, to keep you going, to keep you, you know, inspired. You got to have, you got to have something. And I right. love what you just said, because that's so true. Mourning and grief is mm-hmm. not just about death. It could no. be, like you said, you know, a marriage, a job, right. a, mm-hmm. a friendship, a friendship. That's right. You know, there's lots of ways to, to have a mourning process or, or a grieving yeah. process. Um, we're still grieving the black community yes. our culture we're still grieving That's and right. you know miss georgette instructions for us at this point black community is to pray yes is to pray yes thank you miss georgette You're welcome. I, love you. I love you that's it for this episode georgette jackson sharana reeves will be right back with these three things 
Hey, queens and kings, can you believe we're almost at the end of season one? I have a little information for you. My YouTube channel, These Three Things Podcast, is up and running now. Every episode of season one, except for the last one, is there already. But here's the thing. Season two, we'll have videos of every recording on my YouTube channel, These Three Things Podcast. And I'm going to put a few extra things on there that I'll only be posting on my YouTube channel. So hurry, go to YouTube, These Three Things Podcast, and subscribe today. And don't forget to follow on IG at These Three Things Podcast and on Facebook at These Three Things P. We're back. This is Sharana Reeves. I'm with Georgette Jackson, and it's time for these three things. Number one, being a comfort. If you struggle with what's the right thing to say and do when someone you love and care about is grieving, you're not alone. Many of us freeze for fear of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Author Georgette Jackson shared that during the loss of her three children, the simple words, I love you, were monumental. Those who reached out to her and offered an ear to listen or a shoulder to cry on and actually kept their word made a difference. And in one case, a simple hug during a tough moment was all that was needed. Our community is experiencing loss and grieving in a way that I've not seen in my lifetime. Every death feels like a family member. It's tough to see so much loss in our community. Comforting each other is how our ancestors kept going in the darkest of times. It is our turn now to be that same to each other. Let your I love yous, your ear, your shoulder, and your hugs be laced with the power, love, and strength of our ancestors as we comfort those who grieve. Number two, take a moment. With all that we are experiencing in our community It's easy to feel anger, have anxiety, or be completely overwhelmed. Even our forever First Lady Michelle Obama admitted to bouts of low-grade depression due to the state of this nation. While we feel it's important to know what's going on at all times between COVID-19, the election, police brutality, and another fallen hero. It's also important that we take a moment to take care of ourselves and our mental health. We can't be at our best for those who need us if our tank is empty. Turn off the television. Take a long hot bath and get a good night's sleep. Tomorrow's cares will be waiting for us there. So today, let's prepare and take a moment.
Number three, pray. That's it. No big words. No long sentences. Pray like you're talking to your best friend. Because you are. Pray. Prayer changes things. Pray. Okay, queens, kings, that's it for this episode of These Three Things with Georgette Jackson. We'll see you next Tuesday for our final episode of season one.